The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hi, and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Today, we are going to radiate hope. I am joined today by Lynn K. Russell, who is an author, keynote speaker, and uh, just generally a very interesting person to talk about her book and her work. Now, uh, Lynn K. Russell uh, is from Ontario, uh, is from, sorry, is from Alberta, Canada. Canada just up to our north, and Lynn is the author of The Wonder of You, What the Near-Death Experience Tells You About Yourself, and I found Lynn from the Jim Harold um, Paranormal Podcast. Jim has been a guest on this podcast twice now, so I'm always happy to hear his recommendations. He's just top-notch. So Lynn, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. Your story is just so fascinating. I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile right now. Um, so you, of course, grew up in Alberta, Canada, and yes. <laughs> you had a rough start. Yes, 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 I have. <laughs> tell, tell us a bit about your rough start. Are you talking about my childhood? Yes. Oh, all right. I didn't oh know God. that was what part you talk about because there's a few of them. There's a few um, rough spots, huh? Yeah. Anyway, um, well, when I was seven, I was assessed as mentally slow. And um, I was put in special classes for children who were who were mentally slow. We just learned things like um, knitting. I remember knitting and I remember doing woodwork. <laughs> I'm sure we did basic math or whatever, but I don't remember that. Um, And uh, so I was there for about three years, and we moved to a different school, and they didn't have an opportunity class. And so 
Um, so I went into regular stream and then I was fine after that. I, you know, I managed fine. Um, and then when I was 31, I found out that I was above average in intelligence. And, and I guess I think I don't, um, I don't feel bad about the school making that assessment because I think that I, I, um, do have some things wrong, like ADD, not the hyperness, but the the concentration. I have to really work on that. <laughs> and and dyslexia. There's a little bit of dyslexia in there, and you know, so I do have some some problems, but they're not major, you know. Right. So, well, that's that's amazing. Um, you know, many children, I think, who do have these labels, I think it's just because they're, in, they're misunderstood and yeah. maybe don't fit the education system. Yeah. And then, and then when, I, when I reached my teens, I wanted to marry Mr. Wonderful, of course. Right. And, I, and I thought of myself as being slow and stupid, you know. And so I decided that if I wanted to marry somebody with a university degree or something like that, that I had to to live up to that. I didn't want them to know that, what I was really like. So I started reading, and I read and read and read. I read um, uh, my sister's uh, mythology books and, and school school from high school, and because I'd never been to high school. I went to grade eight, and that was the end of it. And then... Um, and then I went to the library and I picked up some books and I found that I was fascinated with philosophy, which was the religions. I was also fascinated with psychology and mythology. I just loved mythology and I was just buried myself in that. Um, and so then I went out into the world to present myself to Mr. Wonderful and I pretended to be smart. <laughs> I really thought that I was pretending. <laughs> Take it until you make it. <laughs> yeah, I did. And uh, so then um, it wasn't until I was 31 that I found out that it wasn't a pretense. <laughs> so that was, that was cool. That was cool. Oh, that was wonderful. And then you pursued family therapy as well. Yes, yes. And I well, I wound up going back to school after I found out I was above average. Then I went back to school and I took social work and I eventually wound up being a family counselor. Oh, that is wonderful. And instantly, yeah. how did you find out that you were above average intelligence? I think that's everyone's dream. Well, it was because I... Um, I was going to a psychologist and I was having many conversations with him and I told him that I was slow. And he said, you're not slow. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, yeah, I'm just pretending to be smart. And he said, Lynn, you're not possible. It's not possible to pretend to be smart if you're not already. So he said, can I give you an IQ test? And I said, only if you promise to give me the actual true results. Oh, my gosh. What a story. That is yeah. just incredible. Yeah. So you were in family therapy, family counseling for a number of years. And, um, and then after you retired, you wanted to see what else was possible for you, right? 
So what did you do after you retired? Well, once I found out I was intelligent, <laughs> and that's such a silly word, really, you know. But anyway, when I found I was better than I thought I was, I just challenged myself with whatever came my way. I wanted to find out where, what was my limit. What could I do? What couldn't I do? So I tried art, and I tried writing books, and <laughs> I just I just kept going. Anything that stood in my way that I thought looked like a good thing to try. So I did it. Oh, I just love this story. How did your family react when you found oh, out that you were actually quite into it? a long time to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, they, they still were treating me like, you know, well, she's not quite all there. And uh, I just fluffed it off. I didn't let it get to me because I knew I knew what the reality was. And so that's what they wanted. That's fine. And eventually they did come around. When they saw that I was accomplishing, that's when they started to, oh, oh, that's interesting. You're doing that. (laughs) So that's how the story goes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, now I want to turn this conversation to your book, The Wonder of You, that I heard you speak with Jim Russell, uh, Jim uh, Harold about. The Wonder of You, What Near-Death Experience Tells You About Yourself and How It Has an Effect on Your Life. And so it's a a book about your spiritual journey and about the vast research that you did. So, uh, yeah, tell us a bit about this book. Well, um, I've always been interested in spirituality from the time I was about eight or nine when I found out that I was going to die. And my mother was an atheist, and she thought that when you died, you just disappeared. (laughs) And that was traumatic. I didn't want to disappear. No. Wait, wait, you were were supposed to die when you were young? No, I I realized. My grandfather died. And so that made me realize that people die. And that I was going to die. And so at that point, I went to my mother because I was just terrified. I didn't know what, what was going to happen. So I went to my mother and she and I asked her, what's going to happen when I die? And she said, nothing. You're just going to disappear. <laughs> you're just going to stop. And, and that was not this kind of answer to give a little kid. But anyway, and so that got me on my way to... Um, exploring spirituality and and what what did other people get out of it and, and um, what what was where did it all start and that it just grew my curiosity grew so I've I've studied spirituality all my life and I've had some marvelous experiences spiritual experiences just beautiful and. Um, and it's just taught me so much. I, I've just learned so much about. Well, and that's why we're radiating hope today, because um, there is more to life than what we see and what we experience on a day-to-day level. You know, I think we give up on ourselves too soon. We, we, we get fed up with teachers getting after us and parents getting after us. And so then we do our own thing on our teens and then we say, okay, that's it. We're finished. And we just get our job and we do whatever. And we don't challenge ourselves anymore. And that I really, really think people need to do. I really challenge 
the people I'm connected with to challenge themselves because that's where learning and growing comes from. Right, right, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the moment we start, we stop being curious, the moment we stop investigating and learning and searching, then that's the moment we, we begin to start dying. Right, right, yes. Now, you wrote this book um, from your own near-death experience, although it was just a, a baby. No, water, no actually, when, after I retired, um, I was starting, I wanted to write a book, um, and I already wanted to be a writer. So now I had the time and all that. So I wanted to write a book about a woman who asked to reject it. And, um, and she, I had her doing things I wasn't sure if anybody could really do in the astral plane. And so I thought to myself, I better check that out and find out whether those things are possible or not. Right. And um, the book never got finished, by the way. Um, I got, I'm assuming so, that it's fiction. Yes, it was a fiction. So okay. then I went to... Um, online to find out about astral projection and out-of-body experiences. And uh, I came across NDERF, which is Near-Death Experience Research Foundation, and Dr. Jeffrey Long. And Dr. Long was looking for somebody to do uh, research. And I said, yeah, <laughs> that sounded like a great thing. And then that's when I... After I did 2,500 near-death experiences, and um, it was because in the beginning, I was interested in what happened to the people, but after a few hundred, you know, that's old news. So then I got to be really interested in the deeper, what was happening really down deep? What were those deeper messages that were coming back? And, and just beautiful stuff, just wonderful. So... So what that's, type what of that, that's, what, that's what it's all about. It's those deeper messages. Right. Well, what type of messages um, did you write about? What did you, what did you find? Well, okay, just uh, there is one aspect with that. Um, when I was around my mid-30s, I became very, very interested in science um, and, and any kind of science at that point. I it primarily... Um, cosmology and uh, and um, I was just interested in what 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 it was all about and so I loved it I loved what I was learning and so as the years have gone by and I've stepped kept my interest in in um, in that then then as I was learning I I saw that spirituality and science are not separate that's right. They are not mutually exclusive at all. No, there's a lot of spirituality and science. It, I, there are locked in kind of people who don't want to see it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Right. And so that's what my book is. The, I have talked about what happens when you die, and that's the beginning of the book. And then I start to talk about the, the, the deeper messages that are coming back. And then I lease in the um, science and particularly proving consciousness is our reality. 
And consciousness is our connection to source. And that is the link, the consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, but- and that's what we call soul, by the way. We call soul the part of us that's linked to the consciousness, mm-hmm. to the spirit, to the light. Lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And are there any stories in your research that particularly stand out to you that you think are very poignant? Yeah. 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 Can you share a couple? But the problem is to remember them all. But there's some that are just so beautiful, they just tingle. (laughs) And I I have another book that I've just finished. It's not published or anything yet and it will be it's going to be called your quantum consciousness and it will be talking about these deep 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 stuff anyway um but what i'm sorry um i've lost train of thought of what i was saying if you um if you have any stories oh yes you think are, are poignant sure um well first of all um, there's one woman who I really loved her story. Her name is D.W. on N-D-E-R-L. Um, and D.W. talks about that she committed suicide. And her writing is very articulate. She's very, very well spoken. So she writes well and describes it well. And she knew that she was doing wrong. But she didn't care. She just wanted to get out of this life, and that was all that was to it. And so she wound up going directly into the light, which isn't often. Most people don't go directly into the light, but she did. And so when she went into the light, it was just she, she all this love that was coming at her, and she was just wrapped up in this huge blanket of love. And she said, how come I just did something I wasn't supposed to do? I, you know, why am I here? What's with all of this? And um, so anyway, it's just a beautiful story. And she eventually gets sent back because she's not finished yet. <laughs> and she's written a book. And it's called uh, Dead is a Four-Letter Word. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that when we know what happens after we die, we do have a many times. Many times, people have a complete change of heart. They have a change of personality, yes, a change yes, of outlook. Yes, yes. Yeah, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because they recognize their own reality more. Not maybe completely, but certainly more. Because one of the things that happens there is that they. They are connected to everything. Everything is them, and they are everything. And that that's like, wow, they, they just didn't realize. And so that's important that they have that feeling of, of uh, connection. And that brings them to understand how connected we are here, you know, because it's everywhere. And the other thing that helps them is their death review or their life review, I should say, that everybody has a life review and looks at what they've done. And the main thing that it's based on the the life review is how you treated others, what kind of person you were with other people and and other life forms, of course. And um, so 
Yeah, so that that's what the the, the it's it's based on, and um, so that that changes people when they recognize that what what they've been or what they can be or what their role is to to help in the world and make things a better place. So that changes them a great deal. Yeah, I can imagine when we have a full reckoning. You know, we we just feel like this feels like we're so blind normally and then when we have this full reckoning um as i was telling you i do quantum healing hypnosis technique which is dolores cannon's um method that she did and that she developed and you know so we it's all about searching through other lifetimes and it could be past it could be present concurrent or it could be future it could be between but it is also so fascinating to see um, people going to through that death process, going to the other side. Of course, I would do it as a, a voyeur, but uh, follow them and have them describe what happens on the other side. But this life review is very, very poignant. I had one client describe it as um, I'm standing on a hill and I'm looking over this valley and th- there's this big quilt and it's all the scenes of my life. Have oh. you heard that as well? Oh, that's lovely. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. One of the big things that we need to understand is that there are no two death experiences that are alike because we take an active role in creating the death experience that we experience. And so that's Mm -hmm. very important because when you hear a death experience, it doesn't mean that everybody has the same thing. Right. Well, yeah. Talk a bit about that. what you said about how you how you live sets up the death experience. Um, well, it's not quite. There, there's two aspects to what we're asked, talking about. Um, one is the life review, and the life review is based on the kind of person we are with each other, okay, and with other life forms. That's one thing, but. When we have a death experience, we may have death experiences that have absolutely nothing to do with the training that we've had. For example, I, I have known Jewish people who've seen Jesus. <laughs> and and I, I've had, you know, a Christian see Muslims or the Muhammad or, or Moses, you know. I mean, like it just, it's all over the place. Right. So there isn't any one package. Primarily people do um see what they believe but not necessarily so and and many people will have been a one religion and then they have their death experience and they say that's not what i was taught and so then they come back with completely different thoughts or attitude towards death and life and so on Right. Interesting. Um, I'm wondering, do people come back after that type of experience and change religions, change yeah, they do. culture? They're, they, 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 yes, they're completely different. They don't care about materialism. It right. doesn't matter to them. They could care less about materialism. And that causes problems with marriages because you may have your partner that's very much into material. And you're not, as you could care less. And um, there's one experience that I love. This is a beautiful one. Her name is on, on NDERF. Her name is Mira 
M-I-R-A. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Mira talks about being very wealthy and very successful in her business. And then she got in a car accident and she was killed. And um, her ex she has a very deep experience. So I do recommend that, that people read her experience. M-I-R-A. And um, anyway, she comes back, she changes her name. That, that uh, Mira is not her original name. That's the name she took. She gave away everything and she lives very simple life now. Wow, that is so interesting. Uh huh. And did that have repercussions in her family and her? She her... doesn't talk about that. I had the impression that she was not married. Ah, so gotcha. I would have just been family. Right. And so I'm looking here at your book now. Uh, the following is a paraphrased excerpt from a book by Mira Sa called Entity Standing Inside Oneself, 2015. Uh, Mira is, was in a car accident that brought fantastic learning and changed her life. When a spirit, while in spirit, a knowing came to her and she realized we never die. We are eternal. Life on earth is a temporary landing place where we reside until we return to our permanent home. Our base is the oneness, the universe, with all its variations, is God's theater, and the different souls are a vast dramatic troupe. There are many plays in its repertoire, and we enact different roles in different lifetimes. This reminds me so much of Shakespeare. Yeah, 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 the role part, yeah. Right, life is a stage, and we are but merely players. And, and that's true. We do play different roles. Mm -hmm. We do have it, with each life has a different role. Right. And so um, in your book, do you address or in your work, I should say, in your work, do you address the concept of soul families? Oh, yes. yes. I don't know if that's in my book, but that's, that is something that that I just assumed, you know, that I didn't I didn't write about it because I thought everybody knows that. <laughs> so there I go. I'm always surprised when I run into people who say, oh, well, they must be part of your soul family, and they don't know what that term is. They've never uh, heard it. Well, um, it's groups of souls that come back repeatedly together, and they share the experience with each other over and over and over, and they'll take different roles. So just as Shakespeare said, you know, on the stage, and each one is taking a different role that was different from what they had last time. So in this lifetime, they might be your spouse. In the last lifetime, they might have been a, 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 a sibling, and then they might be an aunt, an uncle in another one. So it uh, it just depends. And, it, and of course, people are both male and female because soul doesn't have a, a, a gender. gender. Yeah. Now, I have my own reasons for of what I... I have my own ideas, I think I should say, of what soul families are and what the purpose is. What, okay. How do you take that? Well, I think... What I do talk about is that what when we when we decide that as a soul that we're going to come here, we make a decisions many decisions about what this life is going to be. So one of the examples would be that they choose a goal or or an, um, a task that they want to accomplish here in, the, in this lifetime. So then they choose the people 
that will be in their life that will help them to accomplish those goals. So, so that would be the family and relatives and friends and people that you might just run across and, and not see again. Um, so that would be one. The other thing they, they will um, um, decide is events that will help them in their lives that will help them to become what they need to become or, or, or to help them on their journey to accomplishing that goal. And for example, the life I just let, talked about, um, I can see now when I sit back here, I can see the whole pattern and how it led me to where I am today. You know, and I wouldn't be the person that I am if I had not had the experiences that I had. So that that's the second thing, is that these experiences. And the third thing is we, dis, we choose ourselves. We choose our disabilities. We choose what we're going to look like. We choose what race we're going to be, what nationality, what country, anything. Everything right, and in my book, I say right down to your big toe if it takes if it has a, a bearing on your goal. Everything, and so, so that's what you're talking about, maybe. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, I, I, I explain it in terms of experiences the experiences that we want to have. We have a laundry list of things that we want to have during the whole course of our soul, you know, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Yeah. Um, it, when, when we talk about it in terms of like what I want, what I need, what I want to have happen, it sounds a little selfish. Well, it isn't because the truth is that we're not a soul. This is an illusion. We are, we are, only there is only one soul only one and that is the source the light that's the only that's the only source there is and so that is our reality and we are having a dream of living a life we we and we are the ones who is not only having the dream but we're dreaming we're the dreamers we're the creators at the same time as the experiences. So it's, it's so when you talk about um, other souls, that's, that's an, part of the illusion. It's part of the illusion. We really are only one, one entity. That's and a fascinating concept. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, I, I, when I realized that, it was like, yes. <laughs> Right. So the so the idea that we are separate, that we are individuals, is really an illusion too. Yes, and that's an illusion of this lifetime. Interesting. That, that's that's you know it just while we're here because we need it because we need the separation to be able to have the kind of experiences that we have here. The source cannot possibly have even a fraction of our experience without this, without this creation. It cannot be. It can't get up in the morning 
because there is no money there. You can't go to school. You can't have relatives. It can't have loved ones because all it is is love. It just loves. And so that's why we have to be all that. that that's, there is nothing else. We, we just, we're just dreaming this. <laughs> and and that that back to the to the hope thing, that's your hope because you can dream whatever you want. We really have way more power in our lives than we ever recognize that we do. We really are um, marvelous beings. So this might be a really just philosophical type of question, but what is the point of it all? What is the point of being? What is the point of having these experiences? What is the point of this consciousness? Okay, yeah, I can, I can, I, yeah, and, right? and that, that's a good question. <laughs> um, can you imagine being an entity that is so full of love. That's all it is, is its, its essence is love. And nothingness, absolute nothingness, nothing else. No, no, no other beings, no light, no, no sounds, no smells, no sights, nothing, nothing, nothing. That would be agony, absolute agony for the source. And source, the source creates because it must, absolutely must. We create because we must. We don't have a choice. And we're creating every second of every day. Yeah. Hi, this is Christy. I just want to say that we here at Radiate Wellness hope you're enjoying this podcast. It's free to you, and we hope that you find it informative and inspirational. Heck, even fun. We have just three small asks of you to help us radiate growth. First, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. That way, you'll receive a notification every time that we have a new podcast episode out. Next, please give us a thumbs up, a like, or a five-star review. If you're feeling inspired, a positive review wouldn't hurt. These two small things will help others find us when they're searching for great podcasts. Finally, please tell your friends about the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Better yet, show them how to find us and how to subscribe. If everyone did that, we would double our audience. Thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. You know, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you are a Unitarian minister. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm not a minister. No, I'm a lay chaplain. A lay chaplain. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I was raised Unitarian. And, Unitarian, yes. Yes, and now I'm Unity, which I, Unity, do you know Unity? Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. So now I'm Unity, and, um, you know, our theology is that our thoughts create a reality. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. Yes. And so is new thought. Mm-hmm. In, you yes. know, in the science of mind, and yes, all of that is the right in, up that alley. That's exactly true. It's in our five principles. Is that yes. our thoughts That's create right. a reality? Yes. Um, so, when we have the full understanding of that, 
completely changes your worldview. Yes, yes. And that's what I was trying to talk about before. But that's exactly right. We have way more power than we're giving ourselves credit for being, for having, and we can accomplish great things. And, um, and thought is the bottom line. That's right. It's all depending on what you allow your mind to dwell on. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to do with if I say a hundred times I'm going to get a new car. I probably won't. But if I believe in my soul that I'm that 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 would be um, how do I put it? Because that's a material thing. Um, but if I believe in my soul that I'm a good person, that 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 life is beautiful, that I'm very grateful for what I am and who I am and what I have, then it's very likely that something good will come my way. It may not be the car, because that's a poor example, but good will come your way as long as you continue to think that that's what you deserve. And we don't. And you're going to continue to believe that you're a low mentality as long as you believe that. But when you switch and believe that you're high, high functioning, then that's what it's going to be your reality. Yes. yes. Borrow an example. Um, but then the, the death experience, why do you think then that we do have a physical death? Um, I think that people have a physical, that, that, and that's one of the things I talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we see ourselves as physical because that's what we relate to. After we've lived a lifetime of, of, of a person, we relate to ourselves as physical. Um, and so we create. We're, we're the creators. We are the ones who create the death experience that we have. And we create our relatives standing there in front of us, giving us hugs. You know, they are, they're there, but they're in the light. You know, they're they're in the light. They are soul and they're sparks of light and uh, energy. Right. Well, why do we need death? Why do we need this experience? Mm -hmm. Do you mean death at all? Like why die? Right. Well, because um, we need to keep changing. We need to keep, we, life would be, I mean, like right now, science is working very, very hard on aging. And they want to um, create uh, this, this uh, um, it's to stop people from aging. I mean, they, they want people to stay about 30 <laughs> forever. <laughs> no, that's a good idea. But anyway, and but if you do that, you stop learning and growing. True. You stop. And, and and we need time, by the way. There there is no time on the other side. And we it, time we need time to be able things happen in time. If there is no time, there is no growth, there is no action, there is no anything. So we need to keep coming back. We need to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And um, so what What do so we you... We also need to go home. Sorry, I, I'm cutting you off. I, we need to go home. We to, do. To recuperate. <laughs> Rest. Woo, that was a wild ride. 
They need to rest. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, and then, um, you know, that would easily set us up for having another different experience as well. I'm sorry? And that would set us up for having another indifferent experience as well. Yes, that's right. That's we can right. Switch, that's we right. can switch gears. We can switch yeah. personalities and situations. And that's in the learning and the growing and the developing. Because what we are doing right here is going back there all the time. It's always, always going. There's a direct line. It's like a broadcast um, that is a direct line to the source. And everything we do here is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. And so what is your position on um, guides and helpers, angels on the other side? Um, well, I think there are. Yes, I know there, there, I know there are. Oh. And it's because when we're separated, this is a very difficult place for us to be, the soul to be. Not, not for us. We're so used to it. We, the personality and the ego, <clears throat> this is fine. But mm-hmm. The goal, the um, the uh, the soul is is aching. It wants to be back where it belongs. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and and so that's that's why. Right, right. Wow, uh, this is so fascinating. Now, didn't you have a near death experience yourself? Well, I did, but it was very very small. I mean, I, I only go to the, to the to the tunnel, and and I, there was this fellow with me. He was a guide, and he took me to the other side. And and um, but he, we didn't get all the way because while we were going up on the tunnel, uh, and and there was a light. I just saw the speck of light, and then this big booming voice came down and said, "Take her back. It's not her time." And uh, so the guy beside me said, they're talking around me, by the way, <laughs> but she died. And the, the, the voice said, take her back. She has much left to do. I was about 35 then. Wow. So I did have a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, you had just had your awakening to your intelligence. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You needed to take the training wheels off. <laughs> See what you can do. <laughs> there is one other experience that I have that I think I want really? to talk about that I think you'll enjoy. Um, when years later, I have a, an, a, a, an experience that I have in the book, beginning of my book that was beautiful, just absolutely beautiful and and um, it was like that that spiritual transformative kind of thing, you know. Right. But the experience I want to talk to you about is I heard a voice telling me that they wanted to use me. And I hated it. I, I What? No way. What do you want me for? I can't get out of here. Wow. I was really, really, I just didn't want to have anything to do with that. Um, I was writing at my desk. I was family counselor, and I'm writing a report. And this voice says, I want to use you. That's it. Well, I knew where the voice was coming from, but I didn't want to. So I jumped up, and I looked around to make sure nobody was out in the hall or whatever, because I'm alone in my office. And um, no, nobody's around. And I knew where the voice was coming from. And so I said, 
no bloody way. I don't want to have anything to do with this because I was sure it was going to mess up anyway. So, you know, whatever. Was, and um, so I I just, well, I wanted to know, what do you want me for? And I'll decide whether I'm going to do it or not. Um, but nothing, nothing, nothing. So I never heard another sound for four years. So I'm, I'm, I'm with my daughter and she's a teenager and we're in a, in a, a donut shop and she has a friend with her. So they're being silly teenagers. And this voice comes back and it says, I still want to use you, you know. And I had just been through hell. I just, lots and lots of bad personal stuff that had happened. And so I just said, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, like, no, I couldn't, didn't have the energy to fight. And it said, it, whatever, said, um, don't worry, I'm preparing you now. And because I said, I don't have much to give. And it said, don't worry, I'm preparing you now. And that's the end of it. I've never heard anything since. That's the end. Do you feel they prepared you? I don't know. I, I, I actually, I've asked that question a bazillion times because I've said to myself, well, what did I do differently that I wouldn't have automatically have done, you know, with my work right. and my writing? And I was already into spiritual, so I don't know. Right. I don't know. Well, you've certainly done a lot. You've written this book on near-death experience. You you interviewed 2,500 people about their experiences, which incidentally, that seems like a lot of people who have near-death experiences. Oh, there's way more there now. Just like uh, on that one website, there's like 55,000 more. I would say up and around the 5,000. But within the United States alone, there's like millions, millions. And there, there, there more and more people are having death experiences because um, the resuscitation and the medical profession right. is improving. And so, yeah. Right. Yeah, right, right. Um, what do you feel about when it when it is someone's time, but they are resuscitated and they're not allowed to fully pass away. Oh, well, they just come right back. They, they do. Usually, like, for example, there was one man that I can think of. He was in his room. His wife was with him and he had a heart problem. He was having heart attack and they and he kept dying. And um, he would be out of his body, and he'd be at the at the, the uh, ceiling looking down, and they'd be resuscitating him. And um, people were coming and going, and he was watching all of this happening. And then they brought him back. So then he he's in his body, and then he dies again. So then they had to do the whole thing over again. And that happened three times. I might have him in my book. I might. But because the point was that he saw everything that was going on. He could tell them exactly who came, who was there, what they were doing, you know, who came and went. So it was, he, he could remember everything. But that's what happens. If, they're not, if it's not time for them to go, they won't stay. 
I see. And there's nothing, or, or if it, conversely, if it is time for someone to go, there's no amount of resuscitation that would keep them That's here. Right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, I see. Now, you had said that everybody's death experience is unique. Everyone's death experience is their own. Yes. What are the, what are the commonalities? Are there any commonalities? Oh, yes. Yes, there are. Um, one of them is no time. There's no time on the other side. Um, and so there's no space. And so <clears throat> we can travel through thought. We just think about where we want to be and we'll be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can change our reality. Um, and a woman named Nancy Dennison um, talks about that she realized this was an illusion and she started to think about other places that she would think about being and she was there instantly and it was just as real as this. So, uh, you know, we, we, we make, we can create. Um, I told you about the oneness and that's very strong. That's very strong. They feel this absolute oneness. All communication is done through telepathy because in reality, we're not people. We're not, and people see themselves with with bodies, but that's their illusion. And then the same with people who go to um, to hell. Hell is an illusion, and people who have had hell experiences are always taken out when they're asked. When they ask, "Get me out of here," they are gone. They're out of there. <clears throat> that's one. The other thing I want to just mention briefly about suicide while I'm thinking of it. Yeah. Um, no matter what you are trying to commit suicide for, to get away from, you don't. You have to either have another life with exactly the same um, circumstances and you have to get through that life without suicide or some people, not a lot, but some people stay at the spirit level and they have to actually relive over and over and over what brought them to suicide so that they make a different decision. How would they have dealt with that without suicide? They have to come to that conclusion. Wow, so they do that, so they do all of that work on the other side then. Sometimes it's on the other side and sometimes it's in another life. Mostly it's in another life or they're sent back. If the body can still handle life, you know, back on earth, then they're sent back into the body. But if they destroyed the body and the body can't handle physical life anymore, then they can do it over on the other side or they can have another life. But either way, they're having to deal with the issues that they have. That's the point. That's the point. Right, right. Um, so it's like a driver's test. If you don't pass, that's okay. You can do it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have to figure out what that, because they designed their own life. Right. And they designed their life for a reason. I don't know what the reason, each one of us had to give a reason. But we designed our own lives, and it's up to us. That's like a contract. We can't break it. And we have to do what we came here to do. Right, right. Um, which, this is making me think of the situation that we're in. We're rec- we are recording 
March 21st, 2020, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. And yeah. I know that all of us chose to be here. Yeah. Yes, a very good point. Very good point. And my thinking on the pandemic is what lessons are we being given to learn? What is this about? What are we supposed to learn from this? There's something. That's what I think. And it's up to us. And it's a world thing that we need to learn, not, not individuals. So, you know, what, what typically happens, we, we do design our own life. We design our circumstances. We design our bodies. We design our families. And so, but globally, can a whole bunch of people design a global situation? Yeah. Okay. I, I think so, because there's only one, there's only one soul. That's right. That's right. There's only one source, right? Only one soul. Yeah. That's an excellent way to put it. That's a little bit confusing for us because we're so separate here. We don't see it. And it takes us a while on the other side before we start to see it too. Tell me about even, that. Even, even people who go into the light sometimes still, like for example, B.W. that I talked about that committed suicide, she went into the light, but she still identified herself as separate. Wow. Yeah. And wow. yeah, there's others that realize this is my home this is where i am this and become they actually become the light mm -hmm. you know i had told you i practice quantum healing hypnosis technique which is dolores cannon's method and we see all of this and more and things we can't even imagine things we're not even prepared for in that work so literally that is a a glimpse into many of the things that you're talking about. So we don't even have to have a death experience. We no, 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 no. You don't need a death experience. There, there's one girl on, um, I'm calling her a girl probably by now. She's a man or a woman, I mean. Um, but she, her name is Phoebe O. And Phoebe O had a death experience without dying. She didn't die. But she had the complete experience. So, yeah, and a deep, deep learning. So if anybody's interested in looking up BBO, O is her last name. Just the letter O. Yeah, BBO. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. I know in, um, in QHHT, whatever lifetime we, we see, um, provided it's past or uh, um, you know, in another dimension or, or something like that, we always like to go to the death experience. Mm -hmm. There's so much learning from the death experience. Yes, yes, yes. And then um, I like to take them beyond as well and explore what's on the other side before yes. going to another. Yes. There's, and I've also heard many, many different descriptions and um, possibilities for what that other side looks like. What do you find most of the time? Most common are um, a garden or a beautiful park kind of uh, um, place with, with a stream and beautiful flowers and, and birds and so forth. And they're all alive, including the rocks. And everything is sending love to 
the person who's observing this, um, including the water, by the way, <laughs> because it's all because it's alive. And the truth is that we are love power. That's what this all this creation is made from is love power. So right. that's our reality. Anyway, so that's one of the things. The other thing that people see is um, a city or a buildings, you know, and they're usually glass or crystal or, or ivory or, you know, very beautiful uh, gold and silver, you know, beautiful buildings. And that's common. And they're like edifices. They're, they're bigger than just like castles and so on. Mm-hmm. And a common thing that people say um, when under hypnosis in these situations is um, you just think it in your inside. Yes, 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 exactly. That's how you enter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I love it. I just love it. It's so exciting. I just just tingle with excitement about it all. Because I think, wow, this is so fantastic. I mean, I'm 82, but I still get excited about life. <laughs> no kidding. Have you ever had a, I know you've had a, just a bit of a, a near-death experience. Have you ever had a past life regression or quantum healing hypnosis? No, I haven't. I know somebody who, oh, yes, I did. I did. I did. I had, I, I had a man who, who came to my place, um, and he regressed me four times. Yeah. Four different lives. What did you learn? Well, I'm not sure. I I'm not sure that I can say I learned anything. If I had been brought to the between lives, I might have understood what I learned from those lives. Mm-hmm. Um, the first life, I and not necessarily in order because I don't know. You know, my order might be all mixed up. It's just the lives that I went to. The first life I went to, I was at, in fact, the first two lives, were, I was horrible. I was a terrible person. <laughs> I was really awful. Wow. Um, I was a t- teenager. I was having my coming out party. I was very, very wealthy. I was in France, and it was in the 1700s. And I was terrible. I was a terrible person. I was very self-centered and me, 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 you know, and, um, and I knew there were people out there in the town that was some, or a village, um, that were starving, and, and to me, they weren't really people, they were just like animals, or rats, I mean, that's how big and important they had for me, I was an awful person, <laughs> and then the next life, or, or if, I'm saying next, but only because that was the next I viewed, <clears throat> and not necessarily the next in order. Um, <clears throat> I was one of those people in, in the in the village, starving. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Well, and that's interesting that you say about the time that it's not the next, but it was the next one I viewed. Because um, yeah, the way we the way we do time here on Earth is the way we teach it in school in like grade three. Right, yeah, and the line. Yeah, yeah, and it's not linear. It's all over the place. At the end, on the other side, all the time is now, which is really crazy for us. You know, we can't. That doesn't make sense. But yeah, we can't wrap our minds around it. Yeah, yeah. And then um, emotion as well. 
in other dimensions, in other places. Yeah. Uh, I understand it really does not have a, a lot of variety of emotions. Do you think that is something that is unique here to Earth? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm having a bit of a hard time to hear you, but I think you were talking about dreams. No, talking about emotions. Oh, emotions. I hear that um, in some of the other dimensions, some of the other places, there's not the depth of emotion that we have here. That is all pretty much just love. Well, yeah, that's right. On the other side, it's all love. That's right. There's no other emotions. <clears throat> At least now, when people leave their 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 body, they will be some some not very not all, and certainly not very often. But some people will be um, a little bit nervous or frightened or a little bit like, what's going on here, you know? Um, and then they realize. But they always, that's when they feel this peace and comfort and it's all good, you know, that kind of feeling. Um, yeah, so, so that, that's, you know, but human, emotions is a human thing. Um, however, we create it. Because people who go to hell or have a, a negative experience are very frightened and have terrible emotions while they're there. Mm. Oh, true. This is true. Yeah. True. Um, so why do you think someone would have a hell experience and another person not? Ah, well, um, the, when, when they, and I already said this, but when they asked to be taken out, mm -hmm. whether they say a prayer or whether they just say, get me out of here, um, they are out right away. Right. Within seconds, they're out. That's point one. The second one is when they get to back to where the, the light is, to mm -hmm. the positive side, and they have a guide there, and they'll say, what happened? What was this all about? And the guide will tell them that, that was your creation. Wow. You created that. It's, it's an illusion. Just like this is an illusion. Well, both of my maternal grandparents are deceased, and they had very different death experiences. My grandmother, um, I would say she was mildly depressed. She was certainly a little bit neurotic. Um, she had agoraphobia. Um, and social anxiety. When she was dying, in the process of dying, she fully believed that there were pigs in the basement of the facility where she was screaming and people were torturing pigs. She also had the feeling that someone was trying to tie her down with jackets, like oh. a straight jacket, yeah. right? But my grandfather who also had a difficult life. He was very alcoholic. He uh -huh. spent most of his time away from the family in uh, a bar that he called his office. And, um, you know, he, he caused a lot of problems in his family by, by being absent. But on his deathbed, he believed that he saw a beautiful apple tree with a bird on it outside his window where there was none. Uh, 
And so their lives and their lives and death experiences could not have been more different. Yes. Right? Do you find that common in in families or people that know each other? Well, I don't I don't know about families, but what I do know is that your grandmother was carrying her anxiety with her into her next experience. Yes. And probably when she finally passed over, she would be surrounded by this comfort and peace and love. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. Unless she puts herself in a a negative experience. And then, you know, because the guides are right there to get them out. But they have to ask. You have to be asked to be taken out. To be taken out, wow. Because Uh, you're the creator. And so you're creating this experience. And so you might be creating it because you want it. That's a good point. You could be creating it because you need it for whatever for whatever yeah. reason. That's a very good point. You know, um, I've been in hospice rooms with family members, different family members, and I always see some of the deceased departed loved ones there waiting to scoop yeah. them up and take them back. And so I know that, um, you know, we do, we are met and even animals, even our companion animals. That's right. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you think companion animals or animals in general have near death experiences? Oh, I don't know about near death experiences because they don't have the same, right. They are conscious. I know that. And they have, but, but they wouldn't have a life review for one because because they don't have to look at what they did, you know, and relearn from it. They, they were just themselves. I think animals just automatically go to the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would imagine too. But I just was wondering if you came across that. Yeah. An interesting thing to ask. Yeah, I think they automatically go to the light. But when we go to the other side, and we have a pet that we love, like I have my my dog that I want. I'll see her when I get to the other side. She'll be there. You know? Oh yeah. And so our pets, the ones we love so much, are going to be there for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do feel like they um, their consciousness attaches to our consciousness. Yeah. And um, I've often had in readings because I do readings as well, and often um, the pets will say, "I'm." I'm just waiting for you. I'm just waiting for you yeah. to get here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, um, Lynn, this has been fascinating. I mean, I could, I could just ask questions and talk to you like for hours. This is so <laughs> interesting to me. I mean, this is my work. This is what I do. This is what I really enjoy. And um, your book is fascinating. It's got some excellent reviews. And you said you're working on another one right now. Yeah, I have another book, but it's um. It's finished. I just have a little bit I want to add, which is not a lot. Um, and I'm putting in the bibliography <clears throat> and and then editing. And it, it's being edited already, so it's just going over the fine points. Mm-hmm. And, and what's that book? What's that book about? And that book is um, spiritual science. It's taking science and looking at the spirituality of science. And I've called it your quantum consciousness. 
Wow. I mean, we talked earlier. Mm -hmm. We talked earlier about how science and spirituality are not mutually exclusive. Yes, that's right. Right. And um, no more does spirituality um, rule out science or nor does science rule out spirituality. They really are in tandem. Yes. And and this book has some science in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but just not not deep. <clears throat> and I I actually have a talent that I'm pleased about having, that I can take very complicated um, scientific information and make it sound very simple and very down to earth and without using big language. So that's 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 a good piece. <laughs> Wonderful. When do you think this new book will be out? Oh, that one won't be out for a long time because, I first of all, I think I have already some, some publishers who are interested, but it takes a year and a half after the publisher accepts it before it comes out. So it's going to be two years or more around there. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm still working on getting this one out into the world. And so when I get done with I as much as I possibly can, then I'll go back to that one and get it finished. <laughs> right. You know, everyone thinks that once you write a book, then that's done. It's like, that's... Oh, no. No, no, no. <laughs> and of course, your book is The Wonder of You, What the Near-Death Experience Tells You About Yourself yes. by Lynn K. Russell. We can find it on Amazon. I'm sure Barnes & Noble as well. Any place else we can find yes. it? Yes, yes, yes. Any of the online um, places that that have books would have it. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wherever fine books are sold, I think is what they say. And And then... hmm? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, I was going to say that you're also on uh, LinkedIn and you are on Facebook. Yeah. So I'm also on Twitter. And you're also on Twitter. Wonderful. Wonderful. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, they could hit you up on Twitter. What's your Twitter Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is artsoul2. Artsoul2. We can put that in the show notes. Artsoul2. Wonderful. Um, well, Lynn, it has been fascinating to talk to you. And Thank you. Can I just add a little tiny bit about Would uh, you please? Facebook. Facebook uh, it, there's so many Lynn Russells in the world. And so I did have Lynn K. Russell, but somehow that got erased. So I'm Lynn Russell, and then please put in near death. Otherwise, you won't find me. That is a very popular name, isn't yeah. it? Right? Um, I, I think every family with a Russell has a Lynn somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see on LinkedIn you are Lynn K. Russell. Yeah. We need your website, Lynn. I I was in the middle of making one and I goofed up and I'm trying to look for somebody who's going to help me to to complete the rest of it because I I need help. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be wonderful to find you online, but you're going to be easy to find at Amazon and um and Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. So you're out there. And yeah. um you know, we'll put that information in the show notes as well. So, Lynn, it is great to talk to you about all of this really heady stuff. Fascinating. 
Yeah, and thank you so much for uh, being open to hearing it all. That's great. This is what fascinates me. This is like, this is my great passion. It's my great love. Of course, it's uh, so interesting. So anyway, thank you for being such a great guest and explaining what you do and how you went about this book and just what a great conversation. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Certainly. Thank you. Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.